Hello, and welcome to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, broadcasting from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York, on the unceded homelands of the Mohican people who are known today as the Stockbridge Muncie community. I'm Kellen McPherson. And I'm David Moore. Today on the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, we begin with coverage of the Troy January 28 rally to protest police brutality. Then we will hear from Lexis Figuero, one of the founders of the Saratoga chapter of Black Lives Matter, during a press conference calling for justice for Tyree Mike Nike Nichols. Later on, Mark Dunley speaks with Troy City Council member Eberly Men about ways households can test their water for lead. After that, Sina Basilla Hickey speaks with George Gorman about raising awareness around multiple sclerosis. Finally, your co-host will interview Mark Dunley about the history of the peace movements in the capital region. But first, here are the headlines. A green comet will be passing the Earth for the first time in about 50,000 years, and it may be visible with the naked eye, but in the words of one scientist, it may look like a little green fuzzball. Best viewing times will be Wednesday at 10 p.m. to midnight. To improve your chances of seeing the comet, to get to as dark a spot as possible and look to the right of the North Star, just above the Big Dipper. The City of Albany School District is planning to sell the former Sunshine School property in Lincoln Park. The former schoolhouse was last used in 2011 as office space. With the property in the city park, there are questions whether the space can be used for anything but a school. Neighbors would like it turned into a daycare or community space. The Times Union reports that students rallied at the state capitol on Monday in support of a bill to curtail the use of suspensions. The solution not suspensions would limit suspension due to a maximum of 20 days, a reduction of 180 days. It would ban suspensions for tardiness, absences, and violations of dress code and not having an ID and willful disobedience. Also, students in pre-K through third would not be suspended for any reason except when required by federal law. School districts need to stop suspending students and instead focus on teaching students how to behave, legislators said at the rally. Ulster County Executive Jen Metzger this week issued an executive order directing county government to take action on a broad array of climate goals, including reductions in greenhouse gas emissions, investment in green jobs and clean energy, the electrification of county buildings and vehicles, and a plan to help lower-income households and communities reduce energy costs. The order directs county government to tackle specific projects diverting 100% of the county's organic waste from landfills by 2030, prioritizing renewable energy siting on brownfields, installing chargers at county buildings to support an all-electric county fleet, and expanding public transit routes and service. The state legislature held a hearing on Monday on the ongoing debate over bail reform. Governor Hochul has said she wanted to expand the discretion of judges to consider setting bail for people accused of serious crimes. The Times Union reports that the governor is looking to strip the least restrictive standards that has left many judges often releasing individuals who might have been eligible to have set bail, including for certain violent felons. Public defenders believe the proposed charge would conf conflict with the rights of an individual under the U.S. Constitution. The Schenectady City Council has given the green light to a new program 
funded by a half million dollars federal grant to have the city launch a juvenile delinquency prevention pilot program. The program includes providing job training to youths who may otherwise become enmeshed in the criminal justice system. That's it for the headlines. For those just tuning in, you're listening to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine broadcasting on the Hudson Mohawk Radio Network, listener-supported radio that builds community in Troy and the surrounding capital region through broad-roots gra- grassroots participation. Our content is produced by volunteers. To learn how you can contribute, go to mediasanctuary.org, email us at hmm at mediasanctuary.org, or call 518-272-2390. On January 28th, Troy residents, community members, and others held a rally at Troy City Hall in reaction to the death of Tyree Nichols. Not one more! Not one more! Not one more! No justice! No No peace! No justice! No peace! I'm tired. Are you tired? I'm not trying to bury my sons. I have five sons. I refuse to bury one of them. I have a grandson who has yet to become an age but I refuse to bury my grandson. There is no mother on this earth that should have to bury their child, but yet it keeps happening. When are we going to be done? Are we going to come together as a community? Are we going to come together as a state, as a country, and stop this shit? Excuse my language, but that's what it is. And I'm tired of stepping in. So tell these elected officials to stand up Stop standing down when it comes to the police brutality. Stand up! Stand up for justice. Stand up for our lives. Stand up for justice. Stand up. I am so done. I can't. We cannot continue this. We gotta stop working in silos. The people that are here today came to work together. We are all from different communities, all from different backgrounds, all from different organizations, but guess what? We're here. Because this matters. Our lives matter, black lives matter, and we will not stand down, and we are here to stay. That's right. We out here again. We out here again. The reason we out here today, though, is because they got caught again, right? We are Memphis, Tennessee. Albany is Memphis, Tennessee. Schenectady, Rensselaer, uh, uh, Saratoga, the Capital District is Memphis, Tennessee. I'm sitting here right now with my daughter, right? There's plenty of times that I had confrontations with police. Sometimes they were justified, but it's not justified for me, right, to lose my life. For me to lose my life? Almost every police department in this country since the George Floyd incident increased their budget. As much as we call for defund the police, they increased their budget. They increased the budget, right? They increase the budget because silence is violence also. Silence is violence. Just because we see a cruiser or we see somebody in uniform doesn't mean that they're automatically right. It does not mean that. They have a uniform just like the person in Dunkin' Donuts has a uniform. They are no more important. They are no more important than the male person. They are no more important than the school teacher. When are we going to have some respect? They demand respect from us. When are we going to have some respect for us? Right? So we out here again, and we screaming, Black Lives Matter, right? Black 
you know, we, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Hey, Tyree Nichols' family is suffering today at the hands of some folks that on the side of their car says care, custody, and control. They dropped the ball, right? They are not alone. They are not alone. So we're not gonna sit here and we're gonna reach all the way to Memphis, Tennessee. We're gonna look here too. We can't forget the atrocities they here have here in Troy, New York. We can't forget those. We're not letting them off the hook. We're not letting them off the hook, y'all. This is a clear example of what happened. It ain't right and not one more. suffering the greatest tragedy that every mother could have. And to see that video, I don't think that she will ever be able to live and be composed in her entire life. Like she said, her son was treated like a human piñata. They did not stop until basically their organs internally were completely damaged. But this happens here, this happens in Albany, this happened in New York City, this happened in everywhere. This is our weapon, a phone. Always have a charge, always have it with you. Record, stop, be an upstander, not a bystander. Get in, ask questions. Intro last year, we formed a coalition because the lady was held in Rensselaer County Jail. Ice broke her ankle and didn't provide care. And a group of us got together and we complained and we mobilized and we got her out. And we made a change. So when you think that you're not making a change, rest assured you are. And when you make a phone call to your legislator, when you write a letter, when you show up, you are showing that you're human, that you care, and you are making a change. So don't get discouraged. It's called put your code and come over. Basically, one step is all you have to take. Let's say his name. Accent Avenue. Accent Avenue. We are coming on the anniversary of the police murder of Edson Thevenin and the near fatal shooting of Dameek McDonald's. Every year we share our demands. In the name of Edson, Thaddeus, and all others known and unknown who have lost their lives to state-sanctioned police violence, we demand cops stop killing us and our children. We demand a newly formed civilian review board with subpoena power and representation of no less than 60% of people most impacted by violence and police violence and at the intersection of black, indigenous, people of color, LGBTQI and A, young people, people with disabilities and our formerly incarcerated peoples. We demand a full and impartial investigation of every instance of use of deadly force by a police officer, whether or not it results in a death, this includes injury and whether or not the victim is alleged to have been armed, where there is evidence of abuse, a vigorous grand jury presentation and prosecution. We demand the disentanglement of the county government with ICE, 
and making Troy a sanctuary city and to comprehensively look at ways we can be a welcoming and supportive city to our immigrant population. We demand the appointment of the Attorney General by executive order or legislation as an independent investigator and prosecutor in all cases in the use of deadly force by a police officer whether the victim is alleged to have been armed and whether or not the victim survives. We demand the exploration and creation of di diversion programs away from criminal justice involvement to community-based treatment alternatives, especially for the youth the mentally ill, and in cases involving drugs or substance abuse and sex work with a view to reducing unnecessary incarceration, which is disproportionate. You know what I mean. It's in disproportion. Everything's disproportion. Impacts econ economically exploited communities and specifically black, indigenous, and people of color. We demand a divestment from the police and investment in black communities. Investments in the education, health, and safety of black people instead of investments in the criminalizing, caging, and harming of black people. We demand the supporting and prioritization of our youth in the honoring of the rights of children. We demand investments in black communities determined by black communities and investments from exploitation forces, including prisons. Fossil fuels, police, surveillance, exploitative corporations. We demand a reallocation of funds from policing and incarceration to long-term safety strategies such as education, local restorative and or transformative justice services, processes, and employment programs, and the speedy advancement of decarceration efforts and the end of criminalization of poverty. We want it now. We want it now. We demand that the rights of protesters be respected and protected, and there be no abuse of powers. Violation of property should never be equated with the violation of a human life. We demand no use of lethal force on our protesters and stopping the practice of using police war tanks in our communities. We demand an alternative force for traffic stops that does not involve armed police. A no-chase policy for fleeing suspects, a mental health non-police response to mental health crisis. Okay? Who keeps us safe? We keep us safe. Who keeps us safe? We keep us safe. Who keeps us safe? We keep us safe. Who keeps us safe? HMM correspondents Willie Terry, Elizabeth Press, and Sina Pasilihiki were on scene to report. This piece was edited by Moses Nagel. Troy at DSA, Troy for Black Lives, and the Community Rising Project organized this rally. A few days later, on Tuesday, January 31st, Saratoga Black Lives Matter held a press conference in reaction to the killing of Tyree Nichols. Alexis Fioroga spoke on the steps of the Saratoga Springs City Hall. We are here because of the murder that happened, the beating, the public lynching, which we've seen when we watch somebody be beaten, tased, kicked, stomped, pepper sprayed, elbowed, baton, 
everything you can name, they did it. Besides shoot them. So where did police reform really get us? Police reform said no guns, instead they said tasers. Police reform said no guns, and then they said it batons. Police reform said no guns, and said they were going to use tear gas or pepper spray. They still managed to murder. They still managed to dehumanize a human being, an American, a father, a son, a uncle. When is it going to stop? Reform is not the way. It's abolition or nothing. The day that we abolish the police and come up with a better system to keep our people safe is the day that our people are safe. The day that our lives can be held in our own hands. The day that we don't have to worry about if we are going to leave and be on our way home and not make it to our mother's house. The day that we do not know whether we're going to see our baby the next morning and be able to kiss them on their head. The day that we know that we are not able to tuck our kid in. What is that family going to tell that child who is not fatherless? It wasn't because he was a walkout dad. It wasn't because he was a deadbeat dad. It was because he was murdered by police. Murdered. We still don't even know why he was pulled over for at all. There was no justification for what we've seen on any of the videos from the ever getting treatment like that. All this stuff starts from the top down. So the chief of police agreed and was happy to form the Scorpion unit in which came there and murdered him in the middle of the streets. Here in Saratoga, we are working right now because there's supposed to be a new chief coming in. They have all beats, which related to the ex-chief who was there with Daryl Mouth's murder and lied about his murder and beating. Or we have Bob Gilson, the man who was literally the head of the special teams, the special unit in Saratoga. Take back the narrative and ran all of the protests, the protests in which they are in an investigation for the Attorney General's office right now. Last and least, we'd have to say we have somebody who was also involved in Daryl Mouse's case. Not only involved in Daryl Mouse's case, he is named in the lawsuit. We need change and we need it now. 2020 was not a fad. It was not fun. It wasn't a game. We put our bodies and lives on the wrist, on the line for change. When we're out here talking about adopt or ratify, they haven't adopted or ratified. They've done nothing. These same Democrats who like to use black people for their elections have done nothing. Ron Kim has done nothing. What are we going to do? We need real change. So once again, we watch somebody get murdered in the middle of the street. There was a protest in Troy. There's going to be a protest here on Thursday at 5 p.m. on Congress. Park. Why is everybody not upset about this? Why does this not affect everybody when you see any human being beaten in the middle of the street like an animal? No, worse than animal, because they can't do that to animals. And they say it wasn't racist because they were black officers. The system of policing is racist. You can't build the system out of slavery and slave catchers, overseers, and then call them police and say it's something different. Damn straight. Not at all. The system doing exactly what it's meant to do. Kill, harm, abuse, silence. They're already silenced and already unheard.
You was a skateboarder, a family man. You hear him on the video. He doesn't even curse at these guys while he's being beat. He says, why are you doing this? I didn't do anything wrong. But they continue to beat him. Even when he was on the ground, they beat him more. I told him to get on the ground. They lifted him up, smacked him in the head with a baton. Yes, I think of Rodney King when I see this. Yes, I think of George Floyd when I see this. Yes, I think about Sandra Bland when I see this. Emmett Till when I see this. What we believe happened to Daryl Mel when I see this. But there were no body cams in 2013. There were no videos. There was no surveillance in 2013. So all we have is police who are under investigation by the Attorney General's office for civil rights violations telling us that they ran after this black man and when they called him, they didn't do nothing to him. They tell you, don't run. If you run, you're gonna get beat. You're gonna get killed. You're gonna get more charges. People are running for their lives. Literally, a traffic stop. You don't get pulled out of your car at gunpoint with a traffic stop. You don't have a special tactical unit pulling you over for a traffic stop. So we need to know what actually went on. And it starts from the top down. Why was the white officer still on duty after he did this and just got fired yesterday because of the cries of people all throughout this country. The black officers were fired on the spot. Why is that? Racism. We have police being added into our schools, the same schools that our children go to while they're under investigation for civil rights violations of Black Lives Matter protesters. We have families, we have kids. Our kids do not need to be subjected to guns and violence. The only people who have seen commit a shooting in San Francisco Springs in the last 20 years was a police officer in the middle of Broadway in Caroline. Police officer. When will we get and understand that the police are not here to protect us? The police are here to make money. Police are here to make sure they go home safe at night. They always tell you that. They don't have the most dangerous job in the world. You know what one of the most dangerous jobs in the world is? To be black in America. To be poor in America. To be gay in America. That's what it means to be marginalized. I could talk all day and all night because I'm very passionate about this. I am a father, I have kids, and I can imagine if that was my son. But everybody's screaming for peace. Remain calm, remain calm, remain calm. How can you remain calm when you're constantly under surveillance? Constantly don't know when you're going to be killed or not. Constantly shaking when you're thinking the cop is behind you and you think you're getting pulled over. What do we do? Because this ain't it. And Saratoga Springs needs to lead the way for change. Saratoga Springs had the most extensive police reform bill that we had set up. 50 points. Civilian Review Board. Three years ago, it's not done. Ban on no-knock warrants. Not done. Demilitarizing the police. Not done. 
making our city more inclusive. Not done. How many more times do we have to come out here? Saratoga Black Lives Matter is here to make sure that SSPD, Saratoga County Sheriff's, and the New York State Troopers knows that we ain't having it here in our city. You won't kill one of us in our city. You won't beat one of us in our city. That's what we're here for. And then we're not gonna get in there and become a city council person and do all talk and not actually commit any change at all. We're calling for black leaders to step up, black churches, step up, pastors, step up. When does it matter? When it's your kid or when it's your husband, your daughter, your son, your uncle, your aunt, your niece, your nephew? Is that when you care? We'll be on the outside making change, putting pressure on the inside so they get it right. We gotta continue to come to city council meetings and shut them down like we did in 2021. 60, 75 people showing up, hallways full. We will. We gotta do a civil disobedience. We will. How many charges did we catch? How many thousand dollars did we pay for lawyers? And we're still here. We refuse to be scared. We refuse to be calm. We refuse not to be angry. Plain and simple. You are inhumane if you can watch something like that and you don't care. The funeral for Tyre Nichols is scheduled later this week in Memphis, Tennessee. Hudson Mohawk Magazine will continue to follow developments on legislation to address policing practices. For those just tuning in, I'm Kellen McPherson. And I'm David Moore. You're listening to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine on the Hudson Mohawk Radio Network on WOOCLP 105.3 FM Troy, WOOGLP 92.7 FM Troy, WOOSLP 98.9 FM Schenectady, and WOOALP 106.9 FM Albany, and streaming online at mediasanctuary.org. This program comes from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York. If you like what you hear, you can support this program by telling a friend. Find today's stories and more at mediasanctuary.org. The city of Troy recently reported incidents of increased levels of lead in some household water systems. Mark Dunley speaks with city councilwoman Emily Men about what households can do to test their water for lead and explains what government funding is available to replace lead pipes. We're joined by uh, Troy City Council member, uh, Emily Men, And we asked Emily to come on because there reports recently that the uh, City of Troy Public Utilities Department in their recent uh, sampling of, of, of water across the city uh, have found a number of places where uh, elevated levels of lead, uh, which seems becoming less from the city itself, but more probably from the pipes coming from the city into the house or in the house. So, so Emily, what 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 is the concern, and and what what are these findings that the city of Troy recently released? Like every city in the United States, there's the risk of lead in buildings, especially those built before 1940, which is the majority of Troy's housing stock. The good news is that all of the main lines. Uh, for our water in Troy do not have lead. But many homes, either the pipes running through their walls or 
the 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 service lines, which are the lines that connect between the curb shut off that shuts the building's water off on the street to the water meter may be lead. And when water flows through that, it picks up the lead particulates and we end up drinking it. Uh, the city of Troy tests annually uh, and samples for lead and finding these high levels uh, in the samples triggers a lot of responses uh, to help mitigate that problem. So, uh, and I should mention you're from District 4, which I think is mainly sort of the downtown and uh, Mount uh, Ida area. But uh, apparently this is a citywide problem. Uh, you know, what, what do we know and, you know, how concerned should people be at this point and what should they do? It is citywide. You should be very concerned, especially if you are pregnant, you have uh, infants and small children that drink baby formula and, and other small children because lead high lead levels affects brain development. Um, so it's a very serious issue. And it's something that is being taken seriously by the EPA nationwide. Um, there's a push to have lead service lines removed nationally. And New York State is providing funding for that, as as is the federal government. And it's a it's an evolved process. You may have to dig up your sidewalk to replace those lines, um, but it's well worth it for the long term health of our community. Well, you mentioned that the government, I guess, state or federal government, is making some money available. And I did see, um, you know, something in the media that. The, 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 city wants to prepare a request for additional funding but like so right now you know it's just, it's not the public water mains it's the, the the feeder lines or in your own house bottom line who is responsible financially for that and are the government grants that have been provided that cover the entire course or the people you know have to chip in something what we're pursuing for with government funds is to be able to offset the cost of replacing a portion of the water line that is a homeowner's responsibility. And that is between the water meter and that curb stop shut off. Um, and, you know, some of the other resources that are out there so that you can find out if you actually do have lead in your home um, is the New York State Department of Health offers free water testing so you can take a sample. They have a whole process that they will guide you through it step by step. And um, I'll give you the phone number and the email if you'd like to get a lead test kit from New York State Department of Health. And that phone number is 518-402-7650. Again, 518-402-7650. Or you can email free water testing at health.ny.gov. The city of Troy Public Utilities uh, Department also has information about lead service lines. And that information can be, at, is at troyny.gov slash lead. Um, and that will walk you through the steps uh, to determine whether or not you may have a lead service line. And there is also on that same page, a reporting form. So when you do determine what type of pipes you have, 
lead, they may be copper, they could be brass, they could be galvanized steel. You can give that information back to the city. That helps us survey, zero in on where the issues are and get resources to the, the, the places that have the highest need and the highest risk first. We wanna get it to everybody, but obviously you have to start a triage process and our community helping get that information back to our water department really makes a big difference. Now, th this is not a new problem and, you know, we've certainly heard about it um, previously. And as you mentioned earlier, it, it, it's, it's the older homes. Um, you know, what has the city been able to do in the um, the past? And like, you know, any sense of how many homes out there, you know, potentially are having this problem? Um, off the top of my head, I don't know how much. Uh, how many homes may have it. If your house is built before 1940, um, you know, there's a there's a higher chance that you may have lead. Um, you know, many homes were updated with new lines and they use copper or PEX within the home. Um, and so you may have lead that is sort of buried under your yard in just that service line. Um, it's going to vary and it could even even on one street you may have houses that have no lead lines and and a house right next to a house that has them and that's why it's so important to you know go down and it's a very simple process you go down to your basement find that water meter that you know like measures how much you use and the uh take a coin and a magnet and a flashlight and just scrape that pipe that goes into the water meter coming from the street. And there's a whole process that walks you right through it. You know, that scraping that whatever corrosion off, you'll be able to see maybe the pipe is brass or copper. And then if you stick the magnet to it, a magnet will stick to a cast iron pipe. And so by that, that, that process, you can help determine if your line may or may not be lead. If you're not sure how to do it, you can also contact the Troy Department of Public Utilities and they are able to help you with that, that process. Now there is a Troy City Council meeting on Thursday night, uh, February 2nd at 7 p.m. I believe. Is this gonna be a, a, a topic? Is it useful for people who attend that meeting? Um, I, we will have open public comment, which will be at the end of the meeting, um, because we don't have any legislation currently in front of us at this meeting regarding that. So if you're, you're willing to stick around to the end of the meeting, um, it's open to public comment and we encourage people to come ask their questions, share their concerns or experiences um that's also live streamed on our youtube channel which is youtube's uh just search for Troy city council don't forget to subscribe and like that will be available as well to to watch if you haven't been able if you can't make it to the meeting on we're, our we're, we're out of time we're talking to emily men troy city council key phone numbers or information 
Key information for better understanding your lead service lines, troyny.gov slash lead. And getting a water test, email prewatertesting at health.ny.gov or call the New York State Health Department at 518-402-7650. And this has been Mark Dunley for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine. The city asks those living in homes built prior to 1975 and who have not had their water service inspected to contact the Department of Public Utilities at 518-237-0343. George Gorman spends much of his time raising awareness around MS, multiple sclerosis. He spoke with Sina Pasilahiki about his work and how good nutrition has helped him regain control over his life. George Gorman, thank you for coming to Hudson Mohawk Magazine. You're welcome. You are raising awareness around the MS walk. Yes. Multiple sclerosis. How do you introduce MS to people who are unfamiliar with this disease? Well, in the beginning, it was uh, difficult for me to do that, but by showing them my ability to keep coming back and showing them my health and how I was um, doing better with diet and exercise. That's how I was able to show them in person instead of putting it in, in paper form. And for somebody who doesn't understand what MS does to the body, how do you explain that to somebody? It attacks your nervous control system, so it could be multiple. That's why they call it multiple um, cirrhosis, because it could be anything throughout the day. It could be your body's upset or vision. Anything that's connected to your nervous control system can be uh, affected by by what you eat for the day. Coffee could affect it, you know, caffeine in different manners. And this is a disease that manifests very different in a lot of different people, isn't that right? Yes. What kind of resources are there in the capital region well, you have a lot of the farmer markets and uh, the, down on a river um, street in the local areas. Um, you, you see the markets out all the time and you get uh, fresh uh, vegetables. You get the nutrition from it's not sitting around in a market for weeks on end waiting to be purchased. And that for you is the most important tool? That's correct. And how does the MS Walk help to raise awareness and help support research. It shows people not to, to give up on when a doctor diagnoses you. Um, you can basically, food was here before medicine, and that's how I decided to start getting some of my health back. So for you personally, you don't rely on any kind of medical intervention. You solely no. rely on nutrition. That's correct. I For the first 10 years, I, I allowed doctors to give me medicine interferon for 10 years found out it was killing my liver and kidneys off so i decided to stop taking that about eight years ago and went solely by diet and exercise and i started feeling better at 53 than i did in my 20s can you talk more about how you came to that moment of realization at one kind of who you were hearing this from that allowed you to feel secure in making that change the the medicine was making me more sick than the actual disease so I had to make a decision on what was best for me. And where did you get informed about using nutrition? As... My, my primary 
you know, I'm doing my blood work every six months. They told me that my enzymes were going out of control at that point, and I had to make a, a decision about my life, what I wanted to do. And I figured food was here before medicine. I'm going to try food. So was it your doctor who suggested yes. changing the diet? Yes. So what were the, some of those changes that you made? Um, high protein, small meals. You you can get the nutrition from your food if you're eating smaller meals because your body's not trying to overload, trying to figure out what to do with all the extra. And uh, and uh, supplements. Uh, I use like Carnation Instant Breakfast and um, for anything that you don't get from your food, it still gives you the energy and the, and the nutrition that you need benefits from it. So focusing on nutrition, do you experiment a lot with recipes? Yes. I've learned how to cook since I've gotten sick. I've learned how to bake. So I make, I know what's going in my, my food instead of guessing and hoping that is the right stuff that I need in my food. With a disease like MS, which sometimes feels like there's a lot of information that you need to retain. Does this give you a feeling of control and agency over what's going on? In some form, yes. I mean, you never have a full control over any illness. So it does mentally help me knowing that I can make a, a shake or, or uh, do exercise for the day, go hiking in Tibbetts Forest or go canoeing for a couple hours throughout the day, you got to keep yourself in motion. If you just sit around and, and boo-hoo over your illness, you're not going to get anywhere. So what's one of your favorite recipes? I have to say uh, uh, I like making my own chicken noodle soup from scratch, rotisserieing my own chicken from fresh. You get a whole chicken, and that way you can break it down to what you would like to, to use for, for the day. So you talked about farmer's markets. Is it important that you're sourcing your meat from a local farm? Yes, very, very much so. You've noticed the change there? Yes. Well, I've, been going, I've been going to the local farmer markets for over the last 15 years. And I, I, I raised my own ducks for a couple of years. The protein in duck eggs is much higher than regular chicken eggs. I've, I've educated myself over the years about a little bit of everything. It's not just one thing that made me bounce back. Is it difficult to find the resources on food, the importance of food? Our education system doesn't necessarily focus on non-processed foods, so focusing on, on local. If you didn't have the drive to search for this information. Do you think that it's available to the general pe general public? I see like the veggie trucks and stuff coming out more in public where they can just walk up to them even if they don't have a vehicle. So that helps with um, the inner, inner city. Um, the country um, folks come down here also, so that sort of helps. But they're only here for a day or two, at least the veggie trucks that are local for down here. They, they do more for the inner community that can't get out to the buses. So in addition to the nutrition, you pair this with exercise and movement, which you also said is a really important part of getting control over MS. That's correct. Great. And um, being from the capital region, what are some of your favorite activities? I, I hike in Tibbetts um, on People's Island. 
I uh, go out at least three times a week and do some kind of um, activity. I'm doing a lot of walk, walking around, talking to my sponsors. Um, you know, there's a lot of different other health elements that other people are experiencing, and they contribute to um, my being the, being able to understand their illness, even though it has nothing to do with MS, and still help them with my knowledge. How much of your work is educating others around MS? I'd say pretty much uh, about 80% of what I do. Would you say that more people are afflicted by MS in the area that, uh, mm. that, that you, than we think? Yes. I've seen it more so in the last 15 years. People are saying that their family members have it. So um, I have no idea where where it's developing from and anything that I'm doing is not a cure. I just, I know that it made me feel better mm -hmm. and I promote that to other people and they get to see that. Have there been medical advancements in, around multiple sclerosis? Yes, but I haven't had any flare-ups. Um, so I don't want them putting experimental medicine into me if I'm feeling well. What else do you think is really important for listeners to understand around MS? If uh, always get a second opinion on anything in life because of one person's opinion on your health element could turn into what it did with me where I started getting jaundice from the medication. So I, that's why I decided to stop it. And it sounds like maybe trusting your gut, because it sounds like right. you very much, also literally, right? With, yeah, with your food, but right. trusting your gut to find the best solution for that's, yourself. That's very correct. So for some people that might be medicine, other people, nutrition. Like um, I went and I was introduced to the Uncle uh, Sam um, vitamin store in Troy. Um, they promote um, their own medicines and make and, and make their stuff there for people for whatever health ailment that they may have. Great. I've, I've got quite a few sponsors through the area, so I'm thankful for them. Well, it's been wonderful to talk with you, George Gorman, and educating us around multiple sclerosis. Anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with? <laughs> Just keep yourself hydrated. It doesn't matter what health ailments you got. If you don't take care of your health, you're, you're going to wish that you did. You know? And I'll, I got a second chance to fix my ability. So that's why I say I'm thankful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. For more information, please visit nationalmssociety.org. Also, special thanks to Melissa Bromley for her support on this story. Every week on Hudson Mohawk Magazine, Mark Dunley talks with peace organizers. You can hear him Wednesday evenings and Thursday morning. There he interviews with organizers around peace. Mark Dunley joins us now to talk about his involvement in peace movements and how he's seen the movement evolve in the capital region over time. Welcome, Mark. Glad to be on. Good to hear from you, David. Thank you, Mark. How long have you been involved in the peace movement, and do you remember what prompted you to get active in it? Well, you know, I grew up during the Vietnam War, uh, but I was not active in opposing uh, the Vietnam War. But I was the last 
uh, high school class that actually had uh, a, a draft lottery uh, number. And while I um, signed up for the draft, uh, I had intended to go to jail rather than going to the uh, to fight in Vietnam because I opposed the war. But I had not really done anything um, politically active at that point. Uh, when I got to RPI, for some, for some reason, RPI sort of radicalized me. And I became really active in the peace movement in Albany in the early 80s. I share a similar history. I had uh, the first draft number in 1971 and had a high number, so wasn't wasn't taken up into that. Since that time, what have you seen in the Capital District that that shaped your your life and work or how you shaped in the life and work of the peace movements in the region? Well, you know, I think the peace movement responds to what's happening, you know, at the federal level. Uh, obviously, in the last year or so, there's been the Ukraine issue. Uh, and that's been very divisive in the peace movement. There really isn't um, consensus about how to respond to that. Um, but, you know, when I got involved in the early 80s, um, President Carter, of all people, had resumed a draft registration, uh, and that was a response to the Soviet uh, invasion uh, in Af Af Afghanistan. Uh, and, and then in a couple of years, it really morphed into trying to do solidarity work uh, with people in solidarity and with uh, Nicaragua, particularly groups called uh, Sea Space. Uh, and then in the, um, you know, 2000, it was all the response to 9-11, Women Against War, you know, got set up, um, and particularly to respond more to the invasion of, of Iraq, less to uh, the invasion of Afghanistan. And one of the big things in the Capital District was um, there was a real split in the peace movement between sort of the more radical left, sort of around the um, things called the ANSYS Coalition, and then the more mainstream sort of, you know, the, the, unfortunately, a lot of the peace movement is really tied to the Democratic uh, Party and the um, United for Peace and Justice. And so Joe Lombardo and others, typically around Bethlehem Neighbors for Peace, helped organize uh, United National Anti-War Coalition to try to bridge the gap between the two. I, I think the reality UNAC over time has probably been more aligned with the left part as opposed to the Democratic, uh, you know, wing. But also remember, real um, in the early '80s, a lot of people in the Capital District were very supportive of nuclear disarmament, um, but sort of got co-opted over time with the media attention that was paid to the nuclear freeze movement, which was a much more conservative movement uh, in, in terms of the peace stuff. Uh, and I think you mentioned we we're talking earlier that you know the Palestinian Rights Committee has always been a big issue in terms of how we relate to the situation um, with Israel and Palestine. And good friend Mabel Leon and many others have done a lot of work over the years with the uh, Cuba Solidarity Committee. You know, this, in my opinion, outrageous, you know, economic boycott uh, that the United States has led against the Cuban Revolution for 50, 60 years. And no one really remembers why we're doing it, but, you know, it's one of those uh, third rails of American politics. The tactics used throughout the years have often been public gatherings, uh, marches on Washington or New York City, our major capitals, even here 
in the in the capital district what are the tactics that are going to be appropriate moving forward well you know i i do want to remember that um you know right before the invasion of iraq uh i and many others in the capital district went down to new york city and we had probably a million person rally against uh, iraq an old friend uh, Leslie Kagan had been the lead organizer, as she was in the million person rally in 1981 in Central Park about nuclear disarmament. Um, and, you know, the New York Times said that the peace movement, anti-globalization movement at that point was the, you know, second superpower in the world having replaced um, the Soviet Union after, you know, it dissolved. Um, I mean, I think there needs, still needs to be a lot of education about people. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things I tried to do with the Hunger Action Network, uh, which is an anti-poverty group, was that, you know, about, I forget the exact number, but 56, 57 percent of the discretionary, you know, federal budget goes to the military. And, you know, when you look at, well, why doesn't the United States, like every other industrial democracy, you know, have universal health care? You know, why don't we have trains that can, you know, fly at 200, 300 miles, you know, per hour? Why do we have crumbling roads? Um, you know, it's because we spend so much money on, on the military. And often one of the little games I used to do on April 15th, it used to be tax day, um, you know, you stand out in front of the public library, you have a little poll, give people 10 pennies, you can put the money in a jar for healthcare, money in a jar for the war, money in a jar for education. And of course, the military got hardly any money. Um, but, you know, Dwight Eisenhower warned us that, you know, the military industrial complex, actually the military industrial congressional complex, you know, is going to take power in this country if you don't pay attention. Uh, and, and that's, you know, certainly true. And, you know, we have, do not have, we have never had, I think, a particularly strong peace person from the Capitol District uh, in, in, in Congress. Um, and, I, you know, you know, that's sort of a, a problem. And actually trying to get, you know, the one thing that Democrats and Republicans agree upon is war. And regardless of who is president, the Democrats and Republicans in the Congress compete to give more money to the military than even what the Pentagon, you know, requests because it's it's pork barrel. You know, they're basically the military industrial complex has um, contracts, manufacturing companies in every single congressional district. Even somebody like Bernie Sanders uh, has often been bad on military spending because you know there is some military industrial contractor in their district. And they tend to provide, you know, really good, you know, paying jobs compared to a lot of other jobs. And, you know, when we're in wars like Ukraine, the only one who wins in these wars are the military contractors. And the United States keeps on giving, you know, these $50 billion more to Ukraine, which just means that more people are going to die in the Ukraine, more of the Ukraine infrastructure is going to be destroyed, but the military contractors are going to increase um, yeah. you know, their profits. Mark, con Congress increased the military uh, budget more than the, the president asked for in the last term. But there but, is... Uh, $50 billion has sort of become the standard, whatever 
the president puts on the table, Congress puts another $50 billion on top of that. There, there is a, 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 the inkling of a, a conversation between the right and the left on, on decreasing military spending. So we'll, we'll see, we'll well, see well, how that, that emerges. I mean, actually, one of the unusual things about the fact that Republicans have taken control of the House is that, in fact, there's the, the more conservatives are going to fight against the size of the military budget. And that will be very interesting. Mark, you've interviewed a lot of people for your weekly uh, programs. What are, what are some of the groups that you would emphasize for our attention? Well, well, I think one of the after groups has really been people fighting the drones. Um, you know, the drones are firing missiles. They're killing a lot of civilians, particularly in the Middle East. And the Hancock Air Force Base out in uh, Syracuse is, you know, one of the major sites in the United States in terms of driving uh, the, those drones. The Ukraine, obviously, has been a big, big disagreement. Uh, I think most peace groups in America uh, definitely feel that Russia was wrong to have illegally invaded the country. At the same time, I think most people, including the Pope Francis, you know, recognizes that the United States had provoked, you know, Russia. And this has become a proxy war, and it's about the expansion of NATO, and but particularly it's about the expansion of the American, um, you know, military power. Uh, Palestine certainly uh, re remains a big issue for a lot of people, uh, as the situation in uh, Cuba. But every you know, starting on Wednesday, you, know, you can check out the Peace Bucket. <laughs> Mark, thank you very much. much. Yeah, anything you'd like to add in the last few seconds? Uh, you can go to mediasanctuary.org and type in peace in the search button on the right and find a lot of our peace segments. Thank you, Mark. That was Mark Dunley, who produces weekly peace segments. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you all. Peace out, Mark. And that's our show. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hudson Mohawk Magazine. I'm Kellen McPherson. And I'm David Moore. Our engineer is Sina Basila Hickey. We thank all of our volunteers who made tonight's episode possible. Headlines from Breer Barthel and Mark Dunley, Moses Nagel, Sina Basila Hickey, and your co-hosts, Kalen and David. This program covers stories of social and environmental justice produced by the community for the community and is supported by independent donations. If you value independent media, consider a gift of a monthly donation as a sanctuary sustainer by going to mediasanctuary.org. We want to hear from you. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Media Sanctuary, or send us an email to hmm at mediasanctuary.org. Tune in weekdays at 7 a.m., 9 a.m., and 6 p.m. to hear local news or stream Sanctuary Radio at mediasanctuary.org. Full episodes and individual stories are available on demand on our website and on your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you listening. Remember, radio isn't dying, it's just growing. Until next time.